Underdog Collectibles is an online shop run for collectors by collectors. Join them every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night as they break new products, talk sports, and hopefully you'll pull a great hit to add to your collection. This week they'll be breaking Bowman Sapphire, Obsidian Football, and Elite Basketball. Check them out at www.udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. Remember, always bet on the underdog. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. As you know, I like to spend a lot of time talking about how I combine both the hobby and business sides of collecting, my personal experience, what's worked well for me, and what hasn't when it comes to creating a self-sustaining hobby. Today, I want to bring on one of my friends, Big Shep, because he does something similar, but from a slightly different angle. He has a few differences in his approach, some of the the ways that he's got his system set up that I want to talk about with him, and I want to expose all of you guys to just to add a different perspective and a different alternative, some other things that you might want to consider as you try to create a self-sustaining hobby for yourself. And so without further ado... Here's that conversation with Big Shep. So welcome to the show, Tim. I know that from you know our prior conversations and the interaction we've had and some of the things that you've shared on your show that you collected as a kid, you, like many of us, took a break and re-entered the hobby um, several years ago. But you know, as, as far as the, the topic that we were hitting on today, at what point did you start to do some of that buying and selling? Well, you know, I was, when I got back in 2012, it was consistently buying. Um, I want to say I started listing and, and being a little more active and selling in about 2014. Uh, but it was a card here or there, or I pulled something really big. I think one of the big, first big cards I ever sold was a, was the Chris Bryant um, Bowman Chrome Redemption uh, blue out of 150. 150 um, that it was going to be his, out of a 2014 Bowman, I think it was. And um, sold that, and because I didn't know if the card was ever going to come, and, and it was catching, you know, getting quite a bit of money, and so that helped pay pay for other cards I wanted to be able to to pick up and purchase. Uh, but really, in the last, I would say, two years, starting in fall of 2018, is where I really got into, okay, I can take a bunch of inventory that I've collected over all these years and turn it into real money that I can go and buy stuff that I've really wanted my entire life or help the collection that I've really inspired to have. And part of that started with the local card shop when I'd go in saying, Hey, here's a few couple, here's, you know, a few thousand cards, uh, you know, you can have them and going through and, and seeing, you know, their base or inserts and knowing that there's a market for those and how to, how to put those out. Um, you know, so it's kind of, that kind of started the thing. And then I got hooked up with, uh, then I started talking to some more people and wanted to get hooked up with a distributor to get some new product and, and be able to do that and, and also do supplies. And, and so that happened in, uh, April of 2019. 
So those first cards that you talked about, the Chris Bryant and that, was that strictly on eBay then? Is that is that where you were selling those? Yeah. Some of those initial yeah, so was, yeah, my initial sales and stuff were done through eBay. Um, you know, it'd be like they said, the Bryant was, was a one-off, but it'd be a card here or there, some, you know, an autograph or a, a patch card that, you know, could cat, you know, get, it was, my thing was like, if I can get more than 20 bucks for it and I'm not super attached to it, then let's move it and be able to take that money and, and then go buy some other stuff that I, you know, mostly George Brett cards, uh, that, that I wanted. And, and so that's what I did. And, uh, and it was strictly eBay for a long time. Um, and then I got the courage, uh, once to, to pack up 1600 cards and mail them into Com C and start a Com C account, uh, which did really well. Um, in 2019, I had a bunch of old stuff on there that hadn't been selling that had been on the site for a number of years. And so I just sold the port, um, all together and took that money and kind of, and then some other eBay sales I had and started what I call TBS sports cards. Um, so I actually got a, a, a business license and a, a state reseller license here in California uh, to start doing that so I could work with the distributors. So I took all of those funds and put them into, um, you know, like my business side of, of collecting. So you're, you started that, some of that reselling, it sounds like with, again, you said with additional duplicate cards or extra cards out of out of your collection things that didn't really mean much to you and that's what generated your initial inventory yep so yeah so like i went through and i decided you know i you know i got into the back end and it was like trying to collect everything and i just you found i found out at a certain point it just can't happen you know i had baseball basketball football and i'm like okay what do i really want to collect and so once i narrowed that focus down i had all this other great stuff that i know other people would want to have uh, in their collections. And so it came to the point where it's like, okay, how do I get this out there and turn this into some money? And I started to do that and build up a fund to really start funding to do, uh, to do more of it. And, and, uh, you know, not have to take any paycheck money, real life money and put it into cards anymore. I can use, I can use, uh, inventory I already have to create that, to create that, uh, stream of income. So you talked about eBay, you talked about ComC, and then ultimately selling off that port. If I'm not mistaken, you've also set up at uh, local shows from time to time? Uh, yeah, so right after I got the um, the business uh, license and state reseller license, I was able to, to set up at a local card shows. And so I reached out uh, to the two guys that uh, to that run the, the big one here in town, and they said, hey, you know, when we're not sure if we have any tables or whatever. And I said, well, uh, Greg, who, who owns the LCS, said you guys could help me out. Uh, and when I kind of dropped that, Greg gave him a call. Uh, all of a sudden, I went from having no, really no chance to having two tables um, and setting up and spending 90 bucks to set up all day. And um, I've been to the show for so long, I know what, pe- what's, what sellers are normally there. And no one had good quarter boxes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a market and this is the stuff I have that I think will kill. So I went through and I sorted out all the, all three sports by team. And then I went through baseball specifically and pulled about 25 or 30 real big stars from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and today that I knew people would be looking for. Like from Mike Schmidt to 
Giancarlo Stanton, you know, Yelich and Robin Yelt, uh, and, and put those all in a, a box. And then everybody else was by team. And it was, it wasn't commons. It was other, you know, star players or fan favorites. It was rookie cards and prospect cards and inserts and numbered cards and color parallels and, you know, kind of, you know, food issue and, and oddball stuff um, all went into these boxes. And then I made team dividers that had team names on them and a team colors and um, started setting up. And it was, hey, a quarter a card, five for a buck, a hundred hundred cards for $15. And then I had a dollar box, which was, you know, a little better cards. Um, and that's it. I didn't have like any other priced cards. I mean, it was very, very simplistic. And I found I had people sitting at my tables for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. This The first time this one guy bought 500 cards mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, from me. He spent the t- entire day almost at my table going through in uh, cards. And so that, you know, just kept building on it. And then people were asking me, you know, hey, that's when I started meeting some more people and saying, hey, can I dump base off on you? And I was like, yeah, you can dump base off on me. I'll take, I'll take free inventory all day long. Cause I like to go through cards and you'll find some, sometimes you'll find some special stuff in there that they didn't see. Um, and you know, I'll find some cool stuff that I don't have for my PC and then we'll turn and flip it and the cards cost me no money. So I don't feel bad if I, you know, if I even sold them for 10 cents, it's still a profit to me and it's still involving the cards, which I love to do. So of these various platforms that you hit on that, that you have sold on as you got back into it, how much of that progression or that movement from platform to platform was just you kind of getting bored and wanting to try something new or was a part of that experimenting and learning from each of those was part of it. Hey, I tried this on, on one platform and it, and based on what I had or the way I was doing it, it didn't work out as well for me. So I wanted to adapt or, or adjust my strategy, adjust my approach to try something different to find something that does work for me. How, how much of that was just kind of expansion versus progression of strategy? Yeah, it just, it was more evolution because it was like, Hey, I'm going to try something and, and see what sticks to the wall with Com C. When I first hopped on there, it was, here's a bunch of cool old stuff, you know, from the eighties and nineties and let's see if it sells. And it, it truly didn't do all that well. And so I learned, okay, my best bet on that site would probably be to fund an account and then go buy current stuff on there. And that I find at a lower price and flip it there. I think that's, to me, that's the best, unless you live in Washington where you can drop it off to them, you know, the, their fees are reasonable. Don't get me wrong. But for what I want to do, um, that cost is a little, is a little high. Um, so buying cards already on there, I kind of learned, that's probably the best strategy for me. Um, eBay was a was a was a fun one to, to learn on uh, because I, I you know you make, you make mistakes in, in pricing, shipping, and how to list cards. And it wasn't until I really until I decided I was going to purchase an eBay store and, and pay that fee to have X number of listings and and have certain benefits that the, the store provides versus other, you know, uh, just just having a basic account. Uh, and it was reaching out to other sellers that I'd followed and asked them questions like, Hey, how did you set this up? How did this happen? Uh, as far as like multiple listings and, and being able to do that because before I was listing all the inserts individually 
instead of saying, hey, you can shop the 1984 uh, insert set from, you know, 2019 tops, uh, you know, card one to 50, I was listing card, I was listing card one through 15. So I was taking 50 listings, and yep. 50 scans of cards. And so doing that and asking questions, I mean, I recently got, you know, I've, I've been a big, I've, I've had an addiction to sport lots in the last six months. That's been, been pretty bad. And, um, but in a good way, because I'm buying cards for like 18 cents and finishing all these sets I've been wanting to finish for years. Uh, and I reached out and you were one of the, the resources I reached out and just said, Hey, can you help me price my shipping? Because I don't know if I'm priced effectively. And, um, I looked at, there was a, you know, a couple bunch of, a couple of sellers I bought a lot from. I went to your store and a couple other store guys I know that are sell on there and kind of saw how they were pricing and, and listed, listed cards and, um, just from series one and two of this year. And I've had, I don't know, 15 or 16 pretty decent sales out of there with just listing one set and I have many more, uh, to do. And so I think it's one of those things you just have to, to dive in and, and try it out and, and then ask questions or, and figure it out and, and find the good resources because they're out there. So it was more kind of just with me was, it was an evolution process and, and then trying to get away from the EDPs. I even looked into opening my own Shopify store, uh, to post stuff to get away from all the fees from everybody and just basically pay, you know, you pay their fee to, but they host it and everything. And they're, they're doing all the security protection and you're just putting your things on there, but it's, it's less than what it was with all the fees through PayPal and eBay and, and all that. I just don't have, it got to the point where working with the distributor and the pricing of hobby boxes and wax is so just at a next level than it was two years ago that that's, that wasn't going to be feasible at this point in time. So. Yeah. I think you hit on something that's, that's key there. And and that is you found what was going to work for you by experimenting, trying new things and having some conversations with other hobby resources who have experience on those platforms to, to see what works best and if that's going to work for you too. I think that's important. If we could hit on just for a second, that process of getting your kind of business license reseller certificate and then getting established with a distributor, that's not something a, a lot of kind of everyday collectors have pursued in my experience. Uh, that That seems to be mostly reserved for people who are doing cards full time as a as a business or a, as a very significant business focus. How difficult of a process was that? And were there certain things that you had to show or to prove, or was there additional registration fees and things? That, you know, I know every state might be different, every location might be a little bit different with that. But what was that process like, both from a business license perspective and then? starting a relationship with a distributor and did you have a resource that you used to explore that process? Yeah, I, de I definitely had a resource. Uh, Dan Anderson from Mojo Break. Um, I was just watching him break one day and I, I mentioned something about it uh, in the chat. I was, I was at work and uh, I usually have some kind of music music on or something in the background and that day I just happened to have Mojo break on while I was doing spreadsheet work. Cause I do a lot better when I have, uh, you know, something in the 
just yeah, it keeps my mind fresh when I'm working anyway. And and so I said something in chat about working with a distributor or whatever, and he said he said hit me up, Shep. And so later that day, I, we we went back and forth into some DMs, and um, you know he said, hey, we work with uh, you know one of the ones we work with, I think that would work well with you is Southern Hobby out of Reno. And um, I said, okay, he's like, my guy's name's Andrew. Um, I'll send you his info. You can reach out to him and and talk to him, and I'll also send him a note saying you know, like, Hey, like Shep's a good guy. Like he's one of our guys. Um, and so I did that and Andrew sent back the pay inst instantly sent back an email with, here's what you need to fill out. Here's what you need to have, uh, for us to work. And then we'll talk. And so I had to go to the state, uh, and get a state reseller's license, which basically was going online and fill out information, a form with my information, and there was a really small fee, I believe, for it. I want to say it was like under 30 bucks uh, to do. And then I had to sell, then I set up a business license uh, within the city of Citrus Heights where I live. And that varies based on either your county or your city. And again, that was very nominal. It was around 20, 25 bucks. So it wasn't all that much of an investment to, to get these two things. And then I sent all the paperwork into Andrew. Um, you know, filled out their form with all my info and, um, he got back to me and, and called me on the phone. He said, Hey, listen, now this is what happens is that, you know, we have all these products and supplies. We'll have an account online for you. You order, you're able to pre-order it, our costs, um, and then go from there and kind of explain like some of the hot categories, um, you know, board game, like odd stuff like board games and, and gaming cards like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff are very popular and easy way to make. And he walked me through, hey, I know you know sports cards, but if you get into this other stuff too, you could make some money. And at that point in time, and still today, it's not my forte. And so I'm not one to take money and invest into something that I'm not sure of in the market. I'd much rather like, uh, you know, I know sports cards, so I can, I can tell like, okay, what, you know, what can turn and what can I turn and burn and, and, and make a few bucks on it. So I strictly stuck with sports cards but because i wasn't buying tens of thousands of dollars a month my you know uh they you know my they limited on what i can purchase uh you know which is fine and i understand uh, i get allocated you know more often than not but i'm still getting a few boxes here and there the supplies on the other hand awesome i can get well when when they were in stock yeah. i could get them all the time uh at a very reasonable price and i try to pass on along to the hobby friends and other people and, and sell them online. And the one thing I found out with supplies though, no matter how good your pricing is, uh, shipping is what kills you. Uh, because the, the weight of the supplies, unless somebody's buying in bulk, it's really hard to ship a real, it's really not affordable to ship three packs of top loaders uh, economically. And, and so I kind of started phasing that part out unless it was somebody that was a hobby brother or something like where someone reached out and said, Hey, you know, I need like, you know, 25, or, you know, I need like 10 top, you know, 10 boxes of top loaders or whatever it happens, 10 packages of top loaders, whatever it happens to be. And I say, okay, well, it's going to, you know, you probably want to order maybe 15 to make it worth your while because shipping is going, going to break it. Uh, and so just working with distributor though, like, you know, he'll, I'll get emails. And it says, um, you know, Panini's, the list like Panini's new, you know, new pre-orders are out. 
um, and you get to you put in how many you want to order at, at their price and, and submit and then cross your fingers that, that you're going to get any. And, and Tops is so far out. Tops is like five or six months out. Um, like I've already gotten my allocation for update and that was before series two dropped. Okay. And it, for me, um, the craziest thing is seeing what the pre, pre-order price is versus what the current market price is. And, um, you know, and I try to spend as much as I can with distributors. Um, but the problem is, is just that I'm not spending, you know, thousands of dollars a month with them. I mean, we had Brent Williams on our show two weeks ago and about the cards and he said his million dollar a year spend now with his distributor isn't even in the top 50 with them. Right. Um, which, which scared me cause I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like a few thousand a, a year. <laughs> with right. uh, with with mine so i'm like ah but you know i get what i get and and uh you know i'll, I'll do with it so that's kind of slowed down and i've had to refocus now back into okay you know the new stuff the, the unless you get it instant like you know you get it at pre-order price it's not worth buying and selling or opening um it's better to it, it's better to to stick to singles and and pick up lots and pick up uh, fines on a uh, Craigslist or you know, let it go or offer up or any of those things with the card shop when someone dumps off stuff and you take a truck, uh, you take a trunk load of cards home and hope the wife doesn't kill you while you sort through them. So one of the other things that comes up a lot whenever I'm talking about the buying and selling that I do is a question about how much time am I spending on that in relation to my day job and family commitments and all of those other things too, because as we know, we've got to keep all of those things in the right balance. So I was just curious about how much time do you feel like you're spending per week on the, the buying and selling aspect? Uh, well, I've really, you know, I have two little kids under two. Um, my little guy's a little, I guess a little over two now, but uh, so, you know, I, it's a blessing now that I'm working from home. Um, because of COVID and I'm able to finagle some more time to be able to, to ship during my work day when I'm on, you know, back to back to back to back zoom calls about, you know, uh, I'm in the health insurance. So, you know, we, we have carrier updates. And so it's, it's something that I already read in an email, but someone's now just reading the email to me mm-hmm. so I can kind of carve out some time then. But most of the time is, you know, we, I work all day until five and then we have family time really from five to about eight thirty. by the time the kids are down and then I'll be up uh, from nine to midnight or so. So I'd say it's about three hours a day during the week. Um, you know, so we're looking 15 hours and then on the weekends I try not to do anything with cards except for late Sunday night. Um, and, um, and when everybody's gone to bed, cause my wife has to work early on Monday on, you know, on Monday mornings. So she goes to bed early. So Sunday nights, so I'm, you know, maybe 15, 20 hours a week. And it's my relaxing time. Like I like sorting cards, uh, going through them, listing them, um, you know, putting them out for sale, that kind of stuff. It, it relaxes me. Um, I don't know, ever since I was a kid. So cool. How about, um, you know, just curious from, you know, some people, I, the other question that I get a lot is, is it worth it? And I have that same kind of conversation of, Hey, part of this is I enjoy it 
And so there is a piece of that relax, relaxation and, and just pure enjoyment of doing the, the buying and the selling. But also there's the financial aspect. And for me, you know, as we've talked about, I have been able to successfully offset the cost of my own collection through this buying and selling. I was just curious if you're willing to, to share, has that been, you know, not necessarily specifics, but have you found success in doing that? Are you achieving the financial goals of this buying and selling process that, that you had kind of set for yourself? Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you a prime example. So series two, um, tops came out and through my distributor, I was getting one jumbo box and one hobby box. That's it. And I ordered a case of each. I, um, call I was pissed about it so I called my card my card shop and I said Greg I said I need a box of I need a I need a case of jumbo or hobby and he's like and this is right after I found out what I was getting so this was months ago and he said I can give you a case of, of hobby and I can give it to you for 750 bucks I said sold done deal um and so I ended up selling like half of those boxes and I, I sold six of the boxes and I opened the other six. And um, from what I pulled from the other six, and then I ended up getting my distributor called the day of release and said, hey, listen, Tim, we have two more hobby and two more jumbo for you. Um, do you want them? I said, sure, send them my way. And then I opened all the jumbo and I set one of the hobby right side for my son. So I ended up opening eight hobby and three jumbo. Uh, and I spent about a thousand, uh, yeah, a little over a thousand. I think it was $1,100 for all the cards with what I sold the six boxes for and just the, the, the inserts and a few of the autographs. I paid off all of those cards within a week and, um, just doing sales on eBay. Cause I got on early. I listed all of my inserts on eBay and I looked at the market and everybody was like at a dollar fifty or more for inserts. I put all my inserts at a buck. And PWE seventy five cents shipping. You buy multiple, you know, an extra card's fifteen cents. And so went through, and I got to keep sixteen Louise Robert rookie cards. I built four series two sets for myself, and, and set those aside. Uh, and all 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 that was free. And I still have all the base ins, the base cards that I've been selling on Com C, or I'm sorry, that I've been selling on Spore Lots for 18 cents a piece. And that's just additional monies coming in from that one particular just, just sale. I have um, two. I was able, I was picked in the, the raffle, which by the way, thank you Tops for doing that raffle because I think a lot of real hobby hobby people actually got boxes of the, of the flashback. Um, I don't know if you took advantage of it, Mike, with, uh, I think you have the, the Montgomery club, right. And, and took advantage of picking some of those up. Um, I have two boxes will be at my door Monday and I've already had offers on my two boxes. I spent $55 on and, um, I can, with even the, the overnight shipping I paid for, uh, one box selling one box is going to make me about 60 bucks. And then the other box is free or I can sell it. Um, and so it's just kind of like, you know, I would love to open it. Yeah. But the guy inside of me now says, dude, just, just sell it and then go buy the couple cards you want out of it. You know? Yep. Um, so 
it's that's kind of it's it's fun because when you it it can be a little stressful um, if you look at it as a daunting task to go through all the product, but I I don't um, I, I enjoy that and listing I I like doing that. Some people don't, so it's not for them, and that's why they dump everything else on somebody else. Uh, but it's fun when you can take take something that is fun to you, but not you're not beholden to, like you're not like involved in, like you're not you're not in love with it but you can sell it off to somebody else that might and then turn around and buy something you love. And then you're like, I like, I have this piece now, like this isn't my collection. This is never going to leave. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's really fun. And, and, and been my, my favorite part, you know, and so it can be done. Um, but you just have to be, you can't overextend yourself. And, and when the PayPal starts to get below a certain amount, I stop the buying and then try to amp up the selling. I'll review stuff that I've pulled back and haven't sold yet. And I'll say, yeah, I should probably sell this. And, uh, you know, I did that, was that last week. I, was, I sold 10 cards and, you know, did a couple thousand bucks. So, just been sitting on. yeah. So it, it's clear that if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, it is going to take some work and you yeah. have to be willing to, to put in a little bit of work, do some extra paperwork, track your sales so that you'll know how much um, profit you may need to report on your taxes, all of that type of stuff, right? Like that's all a part of doing it successfully. But in your assessment of what you've attempted and tried over the last few years, if somebody is willing to put in a little work and kind of enjoys that sorting and listing and, and pulling process, would you say that that pretty much anybody can do it if they're willing to put in a little work. Yeah, definitely. And, and the one thing is, is I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I make $22 an hour in my day job. And so I expect to do that with, with car. It's not going to happen. So if you're expecting that, that return on you're giving up your, your time to do it. You're not going to make that money back. But again, what else would you be doing in that time? TikTok video games, watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy, whatever you're doing, all things I'm guilty of, by the way, but uh, <laughs> that, that's the time you're giving up to, to do this part. You have to say, I'm not going to quote, take a salary to do this. I'm doing this for free just for the love of the cards. So you have to, you have to look at it that way. And um, you know, I, the biggest, one of the, my, you said, you know, keep track. Chris Torres uh, at CRT underscore sports cards uh, has an awesome Excel sheet that he, that he provides and you can get from him if you want. And I modified it a little bit from my needs, but I keep track of all of my sales, like the date I sell it, the, the, the car, you know, the series, the card, what Avenue I sell. If it's four lots, com C, you know, eBay, uh, if I sell it on Twitter, um, and all the fees and it calculates everything for me. And then I have a profit and loss at the end of the month. I can look and say, okay, based on, you know, what I pay and I, and I have a sheet that lists what I paid for the cards. And, uh, if they were free, then that column has a zero, which is nice. Uh, and then at the end of the month, it lists, you know, what I've made and what I've lost. Um, you know, there's some losses on there, but Hey, that happens. You know, it's not all going to be, you know, it's all going to be gravy. And you're going to learn, you're going to take some lumps. I mean, there was one time where 
I sold some top loaders for like six bucks and it'd be like, I told the guy $10 and it cost me $9 to ship it to him. Yep. So I, I lost, you know, a few bucks there, but you, Hey, it's the that lesson then teaches you not to make that mistake or that error again. And okay. You paid for a lesson with actual money and that happens. I mean, it's business, all that stuff, you know, so you just get better at it and there's tons of resources out there. And, you know, I'm always willing to help out and assist or, you know, point you in the right direction or get you in, in, in the you know, right hands. So, and I know right now getting with a distributor uh, is pretty much, um, they're not accepting new new customers. Uh, from what I heard, um, I got lucky to get into a local one here uh, about six months ago. It was up the street from my office uh, before they, they stopped taking new folks. So, Cool. Well, yeah. you know, any other tips or suggestions that you'd have for somebody who wants to maybe put a little more attention to that selling aspect um, to, to try to be a little more self-sustaining. Any other kind of final thoughts that you've got for, for people who are looking to take it a little more seriously? Yeah. yeah. Real quick recap, assess what you have. Okay. And be realistic about what you have and then define your collection of what you, what like you can't ever get rid of. Now, if, if everything in your collection is up for grabs, awesome. Start with the stuff that you care the least about and work up uh, and work your way back. Because there's sometimes where, like I sold a Zion card I never thought I would sell, but the price was right and I was like, cool, that card's gone. Do that and then look at your life and say, how much time can I actually dedicate to this and is it going to affect my, my job, my, you know, your, your paycheck job? Is it going to affect my relationships with my significant other, my family, my kids? If all those, if they're all, by the way, they have to be on board. Your family has to be on board for you to do this. Because if not, it's not going to work and it's going to be, a, it will be a, an issue later on. And then, and then go, okay, how am I going to make sure that I don't, you, you know, like you have to set a, you know, my, my suggestion is, is if you're going to start this, start to unlock before you really get involved, just offload a few things right now and, and get a few hundred bucks uh, into a PayPal account or set up a, a, you know, a separate, you know, checking account or whatever you want to do for, for those funds only. Um, or if you get like a bonus check at work or whatever, right. You know, some get some, get a few hundred bucks, just two, $300 and put that in there as a start fund to help. If you have to do any business license, anything like that, get supplies, those kind of things, get that set up. Uh, and then, and then build on top of that and let that kind of be your nest egg and then pay yourself back. Uh, once you get, you know, you double the money, pay yourself back. And then you have, you start with this clean slate of this money from now on all goes to cards. Um, that will be a world of help to you to have a separate account just for that. I have a, I turned, I got a PayPal business account uh, with a debit card. And that's been the best thing ever because whenever I do purchases or anything like that, I go to the, the baseball card shop. I use my PayPal debit card um, because it goes right. It takes the money out of there. Uh, I can transfer to my real bank if I need need ever needed to. I can get money out of the ATM, whatever. Uh, it's it's awesome. It was free. Um, I just had to have the business side of it set up. So that's kind of my you know that would, those would be my first few steps and then and then go from there. Very cool. Very cool. 
Well, thanks, Tim. I appreciate your time. I hope people um, can get something out of this. I know they can feel free, like you said, to reach out to you if they've got any additional questions. And I'm always happy to help uh, people talk through the basics of kind of whatever platform they're looking at that, that I've got experience selling on. So thanks again for coming on. Oh, anytime, Mike. You know that, bud. Thanks again to Tim for coming on. The information that he shared about connecting with the distributor, the experience that he's had trying to buy and sell supplies in addition to cards, those are some of the things that I was talking about that we don't hear a lot about. We don't often hear people talking about buying and selling those things or having that distributor relationship. So I thought that might be interesting for everyone to hear a little bit more about. Let me know what you think at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Leave a comment on the uh, blog post entry page for the, the podcast episode show notes page. And um, follow me on Twitter at summer. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. You can uh, also follow Big Shep as well. I will have all of his contact information in the show notes as well. Don't forget to check out the Hobby Hotline every Saturday morning and Monday evening where we hear from you, the listener, and hear what topics are on your mind, what questions are on your mind, whether it's about general set collecting, player collecting, a specialty within the hobby, or even questions about buying and selling. We'd love to talk with you and hear what's on your mind. Well, that is all I've got for you today, so I will catch you next time.